Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 77. to episode number 77 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. DeBron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to all the people out there who are active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all of the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there busting their ass still battling this COVID. And finally, thank you to all the people who are out here using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous because the thank yous are very, very, very important. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com, B-R-O-N-X, B-I-A-S-P-O-D dot M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com. Bronx Bias Pod dot dot com. Come check it out. Come fuck with me. I got hoodies on there. I've got t-shirts. I got tote bags. I've got COVID masks. I've got stickers and much, much, much more to come. Again, I'm an independent potter from the BXMY with no sponsorship deals, no ad deals as of yet. So, you know, just supporting the merchandise is a great way to help keep the podcast running the way that it is. Um, Just keeping it, you know, on schedule. And so I have money to fund it and do other things I need to do with it. 
um you know i it's just a great help you know right now i'm i'm still in the beginning stages even though i got 77 episodes i'm still in the beginning stages so uh any support that i can get on the merchandise would be greatly greatly appreciated again i understand that everyone's financial situations are different i'm only asking for the support if you can if you can um get yourself a hoodie get yourself a t-shirt and uh help this brother from the bronx keep this podcast going the way that it is and i truly sincerely appreciate every single person who has purchased merchandise from me but with all of that being said, we are going to have a great, great, great show today. And I'm in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood. And I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Also, I do need to say it because I know my voice sounds a little funny. I'm a little under the weather right now. You know, I'm a little sick. But don't worry. I ain't got the Rona. I ain't got the Roro. I ain't got the Roni. I ain't got whatever you want to call it. I do not have COVID-19. I'm COVID negative. Um, I just got a little cold, but we battling through it. You know what I'm saying? I got to come here and represent for the people. People want to hear a show. The show must go on, like they say. So this will be my, like, Michael Jordan flu game, if you will, right? I don't play sports or anything, so I'm not playing hurt. I'm potting hurt. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) bear with me if my voice does sound a little funny. I am dealing with a little something, something, but it ain't nothing to stop the pod. Ain't nothing going to stop the pod. So today's intro was an amazing, amazing, amazing song from a new amazing, amazing artist. And it is called Family Ties by Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar off of the album, The Melodic Blue. And I love new artists, man. I love new artists. I love that new energy that they come with. I love the new vibe, the new sound, the way they play with melodies, the way they take beats. I love new energy in music. So Baby Keem is, uh, I believe, Kendrick Lamar's cousin. I believe it's his cousin or if his, or or he's his nephew. One of the two. I know they're related, like actual family, blood family. Um, but yeah, man, he's come with a new sound, a new energy. Like I just like hearing that. And he got a... A new voice, you know, I, I like hearing those new things. Um, and his album was great. I loved his album. I loved his album. I don't know if it's going to make my top 10 albums of the year. I'm already working on that list of the best albums from this year, 2021. But he did his damn thing on this album, yo. If you have not heard Baby Keem's The Melodic Blue, I suggest you get your phone out and you listen to it, man, because that shit was great. It was great. I loved that album, man. I loved it. I thought it was. I thought he did his damn thing, yo. I thought he did his thing. And it's always great to hear Kendrick. You know, Kendrick, he's one of these rappers. There's a few rappers that you believe that when they say that they go on hiatus. You believe Eminem. You believe Andre 3000. <laughs> you believe, uh, who else do you believe when they say they go on a hiatus? And you believe Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> when those guys tell you, yo, I'm taking a break, you better fucking believe it. So it's always good to hear from Kendrick. Um, and he's supposed to have an album coming out. We don't know if it's going to come out next year, this year or the top of next year. But it's always good to hear from him. And this was a great song, a great album. Shout out to Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar for this joint right here. Now it is time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast, and it is called Bronx Facts. 
For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx fact for today is Learn It, Grow It, and Eat It, or LGE, is a youth development and outreach program that improves food access and awareness about healthy eating and environmental stewardship amongst South Bronx residents. LGE participants learn for themselves and teach others about the relationship between food health, their community, and the environment. For more information on how you can join the program, you can visit grownyc.org. And that is your Bronx Fact for episode number 77. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, all right. We're getting right to the shits today. Our top topic for this week is again in our Caucasity lane, Caucasity being the audacity of the Caucasian people, and we need to start the show with discussing John Gruden and how he basically, through his emails, have offended every single group on the planet that is not a white man. It is a whole bunch of shit. They didn't found this man's history. This man should have just been wearing a fucking hooded, uh, a hooded mask because the way he was talking in these emails was like he was a member of the clan, bro. We're going to get into this shit right now. So I'm going to read you guys an article from the New York Times who did this investigative report uh, on John Gruden and others. Um, and I'm going to read you what they uncovered and found during this investigation. So the headline for this story reads. Raiders coaches emails included homophobic and misogynistic comments. When the vaunted professional football coach John Gruden was confronted with a racist email he had sent in 2011 to insult the head of the players union, he said he went too far, but did not have a quote blade of racism in him. But NFL officials, as part of a separate workplace misconduct investigation that did not directly involve him, have found that Gruden, the former coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, casually and frequently unleashed misogynistic and homophobic language over several years to denigrate people around the game and to mock some of the league's momentous changes. He denounced the emergence of women as referees, the drafting of a gay player, and the tolerance of players protesting during the playing of the national anthem, according to the emails reviewed by the New York Times. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction, Gruden said in a statement issued by the team. He added, I'm sorry, I never meant to hurt anyone. Gruden's messages were sent to Bruce Allen, the former president of the Washington football team, and others, while he was working for ESPN as a color analyst during Monday Night Football. In the emails, Gruden called the league's commissioner, Roger Goodell, a, quote, faggot and, quote, clueless anti-football pussy, 
And he said that Goodell should not have pressured Jeff Fisher, the then coach of the Rams, to draft, quote, queers. In a reference to Michael Sam, a gay player who was chosen by that team in 2014. In numerous emails during the seven-year period ending in early 2018, Gruden criticized Goodell and the league for trying to reduce concussions and said that Eric Reed, a player who had demonstrated during the playing of the national anthem, should be fired. In several instances, Gruden used a homophobic slur to refer to Goodell and offensive language to describe some NFL owners, coaches, and journalists who covered the league. Although not with a team at the time, Gruden was still influential in the league and highly coveted as a coach. He had won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers following the 2002 season. And in 2018, he was hired for a second stint as the head coach of the Raiders franchise, which includes defensive lineman Carl Nassib, the first active NFL player to publicly declare that he is gay. The league said last week that it shared emails with the Raiders in which Gruden made these derogatory comments. But Gruden's behavior was not limited to just 2011. Gruden exchanged emails with Allen and other men that included photos of women wearing only bikinis, including one photo of two Washington team's cheerleaders. Gruden also criticized President Obama during his re-election campaign in 2012, as well as then-Vice President Joe Biden, who Gruden called a, quote, nervous, clueless pussy. He used similar words to describe Goodell and Damar Smith, the executive director of the NFL's Players Association. The league is already investigating Gruden as a result of another email he wrote to Allen in 2011, in which he used racist terms to describe Smith, who was black. In that email, Gruden, who was working for ESPN at the time, criticized Smith's intelligence and used a racist trope to describe his face. The correspondence was first reported by the Wall Street Journal and confirmed by the New York Times. Taken together, the emails provide an unvarnished look into the clubby culture of an NFL's circle of peers, where white male decision makers felt comfortable sharing pornographic images, deriding the league's policies, and sharing homophobic language. Their banter flies in the face of the league's public denouncements of racism, sexism, and its promises to be more inclusive amongst criticism of not listening to the concerns of black players who make up about 70% of rosters. The NFL has struggled in the past to discipline personnel who have committed acts of domestic violence and been condemned for failing to adequately address the harassment of women including NFL cheerleaders. Gruden's emails to Allen, who was fired by the Washington football team at the end of 2019, were reviewed as part of an NFL's investigation of workplace misconduct within that franchise that ended last summer. Goodell instructed league executives to look at more than 650,000 emails during the past few months including those in which Gruden made these offensive remarks. Last week, Goodell received a summary of their findings, and the league sent the Raiders some of the emails that were written by Gruden. In the exchanges, Gruden used his personal email account, while Allen wrote from his team account. In some cases, Allen initiated the conversations and Gruden chimed in, 
while in other cases they traded the vulgar comments several times. Some of the emails between Allen and Gruden included businessmen friends, such as Ed DeRost, the co-founder of Hooters, Jim McVeigh, an executive who runs the Outback Bowl annually held in Tampa, Florida, and Nick Reeder, the founder of PDQ Restaurants, a Tampa-based fried chicken franchise. The exchanges begin as early as 2010, while Gruden was an analyst for Monday Night Football. And in 2018, Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million contract to coach the Raiders. In June, the NFL congratulated Carl Nassib after he became the first active NFL player to publicly declare that he is gay. Gruden said that he was proud of Carl for courageously sharing his truth and that representation matters. Allen and Gruden also, marked, also mocked Caitlyn Jenner, who received an award from ESPN in 2015 after she transitioned. In an email from 2015, Allen and Gruden criticized a congressional bill that aimed to force the Washington franchise to change its name, which some Native Americans and others have denounced as a slur. Again, using a vulgar term, Gruden took aim at Goodell and his staff, even though the commissioner had initially defended the team's right to keep the name. In 2017, DeRost shared a group shared with a group a sexist meme of a female referee to which Gruden replied, quote, nice job, Roger. That same year, Gruden was sent a link to an article about the NFL players calling on Goodell to support their efforts promoting racial equality and criminal justice reform. Gruden had this advice for Goodell, quote, he needs to hide in his concussion protocol tent, he wrote. There's kind of like really so many problems with this in so many different ways, right? <clears throat> to us black people, it's like talking to the wall, right? Because we've been saying things like this for years. People in positions of power all have racial biases. You know, there are very discriminatory hiring practices. Uh, many people in positions of power are very racist. They have racist mindsets, racist agendas, and they make racist jokes thinking that they're funny. You know, talking about a very high ranking NFL executive and saying he has giant lips like that's very offensive. But to them, it's funny. You even have situations like where you don't people are where white people are disguising themselves as, quote unquote, allies. I use the Rachel Nichols example. Rachel Nichols used to work for ESPN, did a, a show called NBA The Jump. And for what I knew about her, I thought that she was very well liked. I thought she was very respectable. I thought that she had no racist, you know, uh, tendencies. And then in, a, in a, a recording of her, Rachel Nichols, when a former ESPN uh, colleague of hers at the time named Maria Taylor was subject to get a promotion over Rachel Nichols, then you saw how she really felt. So it's kind of like you're up against all kinds of walls you're up against the racial wall in terms of hiring in terms of making a better living for yourselves in terms of jobs you're up against a wall in terms of people in positions of power who want to make fun of your skin or want to make fun of your attributes who think that you're a caricature of a person 
and you're up against it with people who are faking like they're on your side, faking like they have respect for you, and really they don't. They only have respect for you as long as you remain underneath them, as long as they can feel like they're superior over you. And the moment that changes, then you see how they really feel. I did an episode a way long time ago. It was episode number 16. I remember this. It was called Whopper Duty. That was the name of the title. And in that episode, I discussed about the difference hiring practices between black NFL coaches and white NFL coaches. And I use examples of black NFL coaches who were either fired very early in their careers or in their tenures with a team, black coaches who were continuously overlooked for positions, even though they were qualified, and white coaches who continually got opportunity after opportunity after opportunity simply because of what? The color of their skin. Point blank period. There's there's been an inherent racial component to football itself where you have black players who have routinely been uh, uh, judged based off the color of their skin in certain positions. I remember Warren Moon. Who, was, who teams would not allow him to play quarterback in the National Football League for years because he was black. They, they did, or, or there's an inherent belief that black people, black players, cannot handle the mental uh, uh, strain that it takes to be a quarterback. When Lamar Jackson, a very sensational NFL player, was drafted in 2018, Shout out to Bill Polian, one of the best GMs in the history of the league. Lamar Jackson cannot play quarterback. Lamar Jackson needs to play wide receiver. Have you watched Lamar Jackson play football? So these are the things that we always have to deal with. We always are looking over our shoulder. Who can we trust? Who can we not trust? Who's a closet racist? Who only wants to support us unless... On the circumstances that they are ahead of us, that they have quote unquote superiority over us. It's so hard being a black person. It's like, you know, it's not a joke at all. It's just I laugh at it because it's like out behind every turn in every industry, in every walk of life. It's always harder to be black than it is to be non-black. And black in that turn means Black means Hispanic, means non-white, means Asian, means Indian, means whomever that is not white. It is always more difficult for you to succeed in life if you are not white. In the wake of the George Floyd uh, tragedy, the Breonna Taylor tragedy, and so many others, the NFL had attempted to bring more awareness and attention to the racist issues that have been happening to black people. Last year with the end racism written in the end zones with the players being allowed to wear slogans on their helmets, such as Stop Hate, such as It Takes All of Us, such as End Racism, such as the names of black people who were murdered at the hands of the police. But at the same time, we know how a lot of people involved with the NFLs feel, whether it's owners itself, whether it's high-ranking officials in the organizations, or whether it's the coaches. So how do we put a quote-unquote end to this i don't know if we can because unless your email gets uh unless your email gets hacked or unless there's a subpoena to look through your personal files all these racists in the nfl are just allowed to walk around safely we had bill o'brien who told deandre hopkins i want you off the team because i don't want your baby mamas around 
He said that confidently to DeAndre Hopkins, a black fan. When he was the coach of the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback ever, in my opinion, who is white, had children by multiple women. Do you think that Bill O'Brien would ever fix his mouth to tell Tom Brady he didn't want his baby mamas around? Do you think that? There's a currently an offensive coordinator who play who uh, is for with the uh, 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 with the Kansas City Chiefs. His name is Eric Bieniemy. He is a black man. He has been routinely passed up for coaching opportunities year after year after year after year after year. Is it because what? He don't know how to coach football? Have you watched the Kansas City Chiefs play offense? Have you watched the Kansas City Chiefs play offense? You telling me he don't know what he's doing? Jim Caldwell gets fired from the Detroit Lions after posting uh, one of the highest winning percentages in the history of the Detroit Lions organization. For Matt Patricia, a white man. Steve Wilkes, the coach of the Arizona Cardinals, gets one season as head coach. Fired. For who? Cliff Kingsbury, an unproven white coach. And of course, you already know where I'm going. Colin Kaepernick comes out, says, I'm taking a knee to protest against police brutality and racial injustice. He didn't say, I'm trying to disrespect the troops. He actually got the idea to take a knee from a former troop. I believe his name is Nate Boyer. I hope I'm saying that name right. Nate Boyer, I believe, was his name. He was the one who suggested that Colin take a knee. So what is inbounds and what is out of bounds? The NFL had no plans to reinstate Colin Kaepernick. They still don't. So you have all these quote unquote empty gestures. You have all of these slogans and sayings, but you're not doing anything really to make people feel included. You're not doing anything to help the progression of the game. You're not doing anything to to uh, um, make black people feel more welcome, to make black people feel like they can succeed in roles other than playing. And we've had a history of fighting these racial injustices in all sports and in all fields. It's not even just two sports. Barack Obama gets hot, gets gets uh, voted in as president twice. You got you know how white people feel about it. John Gruden said it. Multiple people said it. Painting pictures of Michelle Obama as a monkey. Serena Williams, one of the greatest tennis athletes ever, man or woman, gets portrayed as an ape. You can't tell me that this shit is not real, dog. You just can't. You just cannot. And it's like you're in between a rock and a hard place if you're a black person. You want to succeed in the world. You want to elevate your life. But now, how do you think that all these black people feel when you become the head of the executive director of the NFL's Players Association? That is a a premier job that I'm sure take years of education, years of service. They're not giving that out to no dummy. And you just got this guy 
who's white privilege, who's been given everything in his life, never had to work for nothing, won a Super Bowl on the backs of, of a Tony Dungy, if we're going to be real, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl that John Gruden won in 2003, that team was built by Tony Dungy, who was fired. So, Tony Dungy, look it up. If you don't believe me, nothing I'm saying, look it up. 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that team was built by Tony Dungy, a black man. John Gruden comes in next season. They win the Super Bowl. He gets all the credit. <laughs> built by a black man. And it's just like, it's so tiring. It's so tiring to be constantly disrespected, derided, to be, to be prejudiced against. It's just so tiring. And I was a person who believed that John Gruden was cool. I never had any thought that John Gruden was anything other than cool. I knew he was crazy because you could you could see it on TV. But I just thought he was crazy in that he loved football so much it made him crazy. And I related to that because I love football. I love football. I love football. I never played football in high school, college, professionally on any level. But I love the game. And when I watch this crazy dude on TV go wild about routes and coverages and schemes and all that shit, I liked it because here was this guy, random guy, who just loved the game. That's what the that's what sports should be about. It should be bringing people together. We love the game. Let's watch the game together. Let's go to a game together. Let's play fantasy football together. You know, let's go down to AC and play some bets. Try to win some money. Sports is supposed to bring everybody together. Supposed to bring everybody together. But year after year after year, we have instances of racial biases, racial language, and disrespect to black people over and over and over again. No matter how high you are in the world, Damara Smith is an elite person because you if you're able to get that job, they don't give that job out. I can't just go to the NFL offices and say, hey, I want to be named the uh, executive director of the Players Association. They're not just going to give that job to me. They're not just going to give out president. They're not just going to give out, you know, uh, uh, ESPN reporter, analyst. They don't give these jobs out. These are jobs that you have to work for. And no matter how much hard work you do, how much you succeed, there's still people who only look at you as a as a less than black person. And it's so it just it's very frustrating. It's very infuriating. And I don't even know really what much to say about it. It's just, you know, there's more. Right. You know, there's more. The Washington football team is named the Washington football team because the original name the Washington Redskins was offensive to our Aboriginal Native American peoples. There has been a fight to try and reverse that decision for years. John Gruden's quoted in the email. Why are you making them change their name? John Gruden's never been in a situation where he's been prejudiced against, where he has had racist epithets thrown at him. It's just so tone deaf. You know, white people are in their bubbles they think the world revolves around them and that other people's struggles don't matter. You got a dude on the team 
who came out and said that he is gay. He came out and said that. Made himself public. And you the coach of the team. You know how you feel about him. You know how you feel. You know what languages that you use. I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. It's like you take one step forward as a race, as a people, and you take five steps back. Because the truth will always come to light. And it's unfortunate that in 2021, there's people out there with the old school mindsets like we were back in the 60s. In the 50s, in the 40s, even before then. So, you know, as far as John Gruden is concerned, good riddance. You know, I, I honestly was caught really off guard by this. I thought he was just a really passionate guy who loved football. And I related to that because I love football. But it seems like the, 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 race, the, the race issue is one of those that is just never going to, to, to leave. You know, no matter how much you excel. You know, I remember <laughs> this season, you know, people still talking shit about Lamar Jackson. You know, he is amazing, Lamar Jackson is, at quarterback. Amazing. But just because his skin is black, there's people who have problems with him. Just because. You know, like, it's very disheartening. It's very, uh, it's very saddening. It's very infuriating. It's all these emotions at once. And the fact that this continuously happens, even though we're so advanced as a people, you know, you just it just leaves you wondering, well, when is this shit going to end? Is there ever an end in sight for this? And Colin Kaepernick was a martyr for this. He was a martyr. Nobody understood him in the beginning. People thought he was just a troublemaker, a troublemaker. Can you believe that? That you're saying, I want to make a stand for people who are not able to have a voice, people who are routinely profiled and oftentimes murdered at the hands of people who were hired to protect them. And uh, there are people in this world who believe that it was disrespectful, who believe that he should shut up and play football. And to have his career taken from him for standing up for something that he believed in. Meanwhile, we got John Gruden over here and Bruce Allen, uh, pumped up privileged white men who never had to experience any of these things in their lives, who can just parade around and get any job they want, who can succeed in life, who can fail upwards who know a few people, who know a few people that'll get them into spots. John Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million contract. And re- now, of course, it's been revoked, but he earned $30 million of that already. So you could be a racist, a bigot, uh, a homophobic person, a misogynistic person, and you can still make $30 million in America as long as your skin is white. As long as your skin is white. You know, it's it's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's a lot of different feelings and emotions that come along with it. Because when you read this type of shit, it don't, I don't, it don't roll off me. You know, you think that you get desensitized to this type of shit, but it don't. It don't, I'm never going to be desensitized to that. To, to outward blatant racism to where 
It doesn't matter what you do or what you become, what you make of your life when the cards are already stacked against you. It doesn't matter to these people. You're just another nigga. You're just another nigga. And we want you to shut the fuck up and entertain us, dance for us. Or we'll support you just as long as you're not doing better than we are. It's, it's sad and it's disgusting behavior. I'm glad that John Gruden got uncovered. I'm glad that this investigation took place. I'm glad that we got rid of him. But now we need to go after all his homeboys. Now we need to open up everybody's emails. Now we need to see how these niggas really thinking. Now we need to get, this is how we get rid of these niggas. Team emails or uh, uh, email accounts registered to the team. Because if you have your own private email, I'm not going to say that. That's a breach of privacy. But team emails, if you work for an NFL team, if you work for an NBA team, MLB, NHL, tennis, golf, whatever, public, all of that shit should be open. And if it is, then you're going to see how these niggas really is. Because, you know, the truth always gets pushed behind closed doors. We would have never known this about John Gruden if this investigation never happened. He would have been able to fulfill that entire contract and make $100 million in this world being the racist, bigoted, misogynistic person that he is. And that's the point. That's the point. So... You know, it's sad, it's disheartening, but I got I got more for you because I'm I'm out, and I'm also glad that people who were familiar with him or who are familiar with the situation, especially black people, are coming out and talking very strongly about this. I'm going to play you a series of clips from a few black people in the sports world. The first is from Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson used to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers along with the New York Jets, the Carolina Panthers, the Dallas Cowboys, and one other team used to play wide receiver. And he's done analyst work for Sunday NFL Countdown, and also now he hosts a radio show on ESPN called Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Keyshawn Johnson played for that 2002 and 2003 Buccaneers team that eventually went to and won the Super Bowl. Listen to what Keyshawn Johnson says about John Gruden. And he said he's been saying this shit about John Gruden for years, but no one is listening to him. Why? I'll give you one guess why. So I want to play you Keyshawn Johnson and what he had to say about John Gruden and his firing and the bombs that he dropped about this man, because I believe all of it is true. So here's Keyshawn Johnson. That email was very disturbing. Here's a guy that I won a Super Bowl with and I played with. And I have my issues with him. Okay? Well documented. But at the same time, what he said about D. Smith is disturbing. It's unacceptable. And this is why in this country we are in a position that we are in as human beings, not only human beings, but as African Americans. Because we gloss over these sort of things and act like it's not that big of a deal. I just wrote a book, The Forgotten First, talks about these same damn issues 
back in 1930. And here we are in 2021 still dealing with the same thing. Yeah, it was 11 years ago. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. Everybody makes mistakes. Really? Everybody makes mistakes, huh? But not only do you mock the size of an African-American's lips, you also degrade owners in the National Football League as well as the commissioner. My concentration ain't only you talk bad about a black man. You're also talking about bad about people that own teams, run the league, the commissioner of the league, because he's a bad person. I tried to tell people this when I played for this man, but I was the I was in the wrong. Keyshawn, oh, Keyshawn, just a small brat. Oh, Keyshawn, just a diva. Oh, Keyshawn just wants the football. But here we are now, however many years later, and stuff is coming to the surface. I'm not going to let it just disappear because I was the bad guy, Jay. I was the one. I was the problem. Get him out of town. He's disruptive. But when you say stuff, people don't want to listen. They think it's all about you. And now look what we're dealing with. We're dealing with some race and sensitive behavior by a head coach who many thought didn't even deserve the opportunity to coach the Raiders. But guess what? He did. And now this is what we're dealing with. And, that, and you got to deal with that locker room. We saw yesterday on the football field what that locker room turned out to be, which is an L. You don't think that was heavy on them black players and some of the white players' mind? Hell yeah, it was. Of course it was. That's why they went out there and laid an egg. I didn't know that, that John would say things like that and, and put them in an email. He just always been a fraud to me. He just always been a fraud to me. Never, never from day one, he's been a used car salesman. And people bought it because he inherited a championship team built by Tony Dungy and Rich McKay. And he came in there with a little bit of different energy that we had with Tony and it kind of kicked us over the top to get our world championship, which I am grateful for. But at the same time, I also saw through who he was through that journey of getting a championship. The year that, think about it. We won the championship and we're standing on the podium in the Super Bowl. And the general manager is trying to raise the trophy. And the head coach takes the trophy from him. Basically says, give me this. This belongs to me. And like all of that, when you're paying attention and then the next year, the general manager leaves in the middle of the season because he doesn't want to deal with all the shenanigans that was going on. He leave. Think about this, though, Jay and Max. He leaves in the middle. Rich McKay left in the middle of the season to co take another job with another team because he didn't want to be around this guy. Thank you, Keyshawn, for speaking firm, <clears throat> for standing on your square for all these years after you tried to bring it to people's attention and nobody believed you. Again, I'll give you one guess as to why nobody believed him. But the truth always comes to light, you know, and it's so good that, you know, it's a small victory. I should say it's not so good. It's a small victory for us that a racist, a bigot, a, a misogynistic person, a homophobic person gets 
out of the league and uh and we, hopefully we never have to hear from him again you know there's nothing that i need to hear from john gruden for again i wish there was a way to retroactively take that money back that'll really hurt him but it's a small victory for us to get him get rid of him just like it was a small victory to, for espn to get rid of you know rachel nichols and you know other people who have behaved in uh a racist way but um you know it's it's just sad it just makes it so hard like trying to explain to people who are not black and by that i mean white how hard it is to be a black person it's like it, it just i don't even i can't even put it to words it's like one i shouldn't even have to explain this to you but two it's just like when i say it out loud it don't even sound right. Like, oh, yeah, you know, when I used to go to get on the train, there would be cops who would stop me or search me. That happened all the time. Or if I go into a store, there's going to be people who follow me around. <laughs> or if, you know, in certain cases when people are trying to go into high-end stores, you know, like Gucci or something, or just for an example, you know, you get harassed or people ask you, what are you doing in here? You know, these are just the things, some of the small things that we deal with every single day of our lives. And it's not just affecting the average Joe like me. It goes all the way up to where you're somebody in a position of power and influence such as Damar Smith. And you still get referred to in racist terms. So uh, good riddance to John Gruden. Good riddance. And hopefully this investigation prompts wholesale changes in how conversations on race and other uh, minority groups are handled. And that's all I got. And so moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is Rogers Neighborhood, the exact same, except there are no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter. And I'm saying this and repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly to send in comments, questions, concerns, feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you have for me. And you guys never let me down. I really, really appreciate you guys. So let's answer some of the questions that we have received here. Only have one question for you guys from you guys today. You know, it's my flu game. Give me a break here. I'm potting. I'm potting under duress. Okay, so I only got one question to answer from you guys today. And here it is. It says, hi, new listener here. I'm sure you have answered this before, but I would like to know, how do you come up with the titles and the covers for each episode? Man, I think I have answered that. I think I answered that like twice. But it's okay. It's no problem. I have no problem answering that. I appreciate your question. Um, so when I was coming up with the concepts of the show, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was how could I make a random person on the internet see this and want to click it and listen to it. Um, I was trying to like you know just put it in my head like if I was just surfing the net or surfing you know Spotify or Apple Podcasts and looking for something to listen to, what would draw my interest what would you know make me want to listen to something or give something a chance so i was thinking 
what if I name each episode, give it a title, you know, in a sense, give it like its own personality, if you will, right? How could I do that? So I was like, okay, let let me name each one of my episodes. But instead of just naming it, you know, episode one, welcome to the show. Episode two, you know, uh, Denzel talks about XYZ. Episode three, you know, uh, whatever. I was like, let's give them kind of like, weird or un- weird or funny names right let's give them strange names let's give them names that you wouldn't necessarily think about when you tune into a podcast because usually podcasts are very straightforward episode one you know for example last week i did a, a podcast with a coach coach mark rodriguez from saint raymond's high school so usually it would be like episode 76 of the Bronx Bias podcast featuring Coach Mark Rodriguez, and that'll be the title, right? It's usually very straightforward. So I was thinking, like, what if I just name them, like, funny names? What if I give them random names? What if I give them, you know, unorthodox names, right? There's no rules, for me at least. So I just decided to say whatever I would say in the podcast, right, whatever phrase or whatever, like, you know, name or something that I would say in the podcast, I will make it the title. So, right, so for example, episode one, it was called Mamba Mentality, and I named it that because Kobe, when I first did my first episode, Kobe had recently just passed away, and I was talking about, like, his impact and how he inspired people, and one of his biggest mantras was the Mamba Mentality. It was just his belief system where it, you know, when you dedicate so much to the game and so much to your craft, you have results. It's the Mamba Mentality. You work hard. You grind. You hustle, you do everything, you get into that mindset, you change the way that you think, and it'll help you be successful. So I was like, in honor of him, I wanted to name my first episode that. But just I'm look at some random ones here. Um, for example, episode number 69, I, had, I called it Different Breeds. And in that episode, I talked about Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis about how they were talking about how they don't wash their asses. And I called them Different Breeds. For episode, let's say, uh, pick another random one. For episode 58, I named it Everybody Loves Raymond. And in that episode, I talked about Usher, the singer, who was allegedly giving out fake money with his face on it instead of, you know, Benjamin Franklin or whomever else is on money. And it's just a funny title because Usher's last name is Raymond. And if you're familiar with TV... There was a TV show with Ray Romano called Everybody Loves Raymond. So I figure let's name the episode that, right? Um, for another episode, I let me see another one. Uh I named one episode I'm Loving It, episode 38. And that episode was about a woman named LaShonda Griffin who went to a McDonald's after a night of drinking. And to top it off, she was the driver of a school bus and she took the kids on the bus to McDonald's to get breakfast after her night of drinking. So so that's just to show you a little bit of how I think about things like I just try to make everything connect in a way. So when you see it on its face, you're going to be very confused by it. So if you just click the random episode, episode 58, Everybody Loves Raymond, the picture I use for it was the Usher money that he allegedly was given out, the fake money. So if you see that, 
right? Episode 58, the Bronx Bias podcast and a picture of Usher on a $100 bill. You're going to be like, what the fuck is this? What does this mean? You know, what? what is this? How does this make sense? What, how does Usher have to do with the Bronx Bias podcast? And what does Everybody Loves Raymond have to do with that? So hopefully that's what you think. And then it'll hopefully compel you to click it and listen to it and listen to the whole thing. And then afterwards, you'll be like, oh, okay, I understand what he means. I understand why he put this here, put that there and put that there. So that's just basically the thought process of it. It's just I usually like to take things that I say or if I have a guess what they say and um, make it the title, usually like a two or three word phrase that they say or that I say and try to find a photo that's related to the topics that I'm discussing in this week's show. So last week I did with again with the coach um, and uh, he was saying routinely in the interview that what he does is bigger than basketball. He says that he's not just a basketball coach. He tries to teach them about life, how to be respectful to others, how to show up on time, how to work as a team, you know, how to do all these things. So it's to him, coaching is bigger than just basketball. So I use that as the title, bigger than basketball. And then as the photo, I used a picture of Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan, one arguably the greatest head coach and basketball player duo in the history of the NBA. So if you just saw that, you'd be like, well, what is Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan have to do with the Bronx Bias podcast and bigger than basketball? They were in basketball. What does this mean? And hopefully you listen to it and you'd be like, oh, okay, I understand what that is. So really it's just a way to try and pique people's interests. Um, it's a way to try to like g- have people give you a chance in a way, you know, because there's a million things that you can do to entertain yourself. So that's just my thought process going into it. And it's better than just naming the episode, episode one, episode two, episode three, episode four. I like to give them a little bit of personality, put my own little personal touch on it. So that's just a little bit into it. Um, you know, that's just how I think about it. And it's fun, even. It's fun to just look at, you know, a whole bunch of your episodes and, and you know, look at the funny names that you put for them. So, you know, I'm looking at them right now. Just I had an episode, episode 26. City of Magic. I named that one because uh, I talked about an NBA player named Lou Williams who left the NBA bubble to go to a strip club, Magic City. So I named it City of Magic. You know, I I uh, got another one here. Uh, episode 16, like I mentioned previously, Whopper Duty. And that was because I told a story about when I was a kid, I worked at Burger King and uh, for summer youth. And on my, one of my last weeks of the program, the summer youth program, they try to have me cook. They had me cooking the Whoppers. So I was on Whopper duty. So, you know, that's just a little bit of of my thought process and how that goes into it. So hopefully you guys enjoy the titles and, you know, you like the covers and stuff, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, that's just a little bit about it. And that's how it works. So I appreciate the question. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for the questions. I really appreciate them. Um, and please, you know, don't be afraid. Send them in. I will not ignore you. Um, I will not, you know, just discard you. And if I can't answer the question on the show, I'll make sure to answer it in the thread. So, you know, I knew that so that, you know, I just didn't read it and and carry on. So thank you guys so much for the questions. And I look forward to answering more and more and more and more of you guys' questions. Thank you once again. Next on the docket, let's talk about a fun sports story. So last week, Saturday 
was the trilogy fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury for the World Heavyweight Championship in boxing. And it was an event, bro. Ooh, it was so good. It was so good. It was such a good fight. Two warriors, absolute warriors. Two, you know, titans of the sport with a lot of bad blood, with a lot to prove each way. And it was an event, boy. It was an event. And it was a great fight. It was an absolutely great, tremendous, tremendous fight. If you guys don't know, Tyson Fury ended up beating Deontay Wilder in the 11th round um, due to a knockout. And it was a it was a it was a hell of a fight. It could have went either way, to be honest. It could have went either way. There was some times where Deontay Wilder had the advantage. Sometimes where Tyson Fury had the advantage, but Tyson, who is a very, very good, technically sound boxer, came away with the victory. He has the two victories to one over Deontay Wilder, so I believe that this will be their last fight. And they both got their money's worth out of the fight. I loved it. The funniest thing, though, about this fight is, <clears throat> of course, social media. So, you know, you're reading social media and stuff. And, you know, people reacting to the fight. There's a guy on Twitter who you guys should follow. His name is Josiah Johnson. I think his at is King, King Josiah 54 I think that's his at name on Twitter. I hope I'm not saying that wrong. But he's, like, one of the funniest dudes on Twitter. Like, he is so funny to me. He's, and he's, like, super quick with it. Whenever something happens, like, in sports and entertainment and other areas, you go on Twitter he automatically he already has a fire funny ass post about it. Like he's really funny. So I'm scrolling through Twitter, you know, just looking at, you know, things about the fight because Wilder got Wilder lost again and everything. And so I'm looking at this shit and they had a picture of they had a picture of Tyson Fury standing over Deontay Wilder and said, This photo is gonna be hung in white barber shops all over. <laughs> This photo is going to be hung in white barbershops all across the country. And then there was another one that said, if, Deon if Tyson Fury says nigga, who's going to stop him now? We sent our best nigga three times and he couldn't get it done. <laughs> this shit was so funny. But the funniest thing about it, the funniest thing about this entire Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder trilogy fight. It was a video by Dr. Umar Johnson. If you guys are not familiar, Dr. Umar is a, psych a psychologist uh, and uh, an activist, and he is for the the um, the advancement of black people. He's very pro-black. You know, he's very, very, very pro-black. And he goes on, he has a number of rants and a number of appearances where he's just trying to, you know, address certain racial issues and try to bring attention to racial issues. And he is also very, like, a... Uh, He's very militant, right? So I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I, I so happened to click on it because it was his commentary on the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury fight. So I was like, uh-oh, what is he going to say about it? And guys, I was not disappointed. So what I want to do for you is play you what Dr. Umar Johnson had to say about the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury fight. And basically his reaction was black people everywhere watching how this unfolded. This is Dr. Umar. Tyson Fury knocks out Deontay Wilder. No, no, brothers and sisters, no, no, no. It must have been fixed. It must have been fixed. It must have been fixed. Tyson Fury was out of shape, fat, 
He gained like 60 pounds. It wasn't muscle. It was all blubber. Deontay, our brother, was chiseled in Shango shape. He was with the Ogun energy. How in the hell did he get knocked out by an out-of-shape, overweight, mayonnaise man? No, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I didn't see the fight. Did, 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 was the fight thrown? Was the fight thrown, brothers and sisters? Was the fight thrown? Did they have something in Fury's gloves? Because there was rumored that the last fight, he had something in his gloves. 11th round technical knockout. Was it close? Did he put up a fight? He was too small. But the boy's solid muscle. How is he too small? He's solid muscle. How is he too small? He was out of shape, y'all think? Fury kept holding his head under his arm, hitting him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I can't. So I got to watch this fight. I got to watch this fight. We are not perfect. We take losses like any other man or woman. Just because we are the chosen people, we still got to fight. We're going to win wars and we're going to lose wars. That's not a reason to lose heart. We're going to win wars. Somebody said the gloves were checked. Sister Rosalind, the votes are counted too, Sister Rosalind. Do you believe no elections are thrown? Sister Rosalind, you said the gloves were checked, baby. Sister Rosalind, you said the gloves were checked. So the votes are counted too, Sister Rosalind. The votes are counted. Do you believe elections are not thrown? <laughs> Dr. Umar is all black people <laughs> watching <laughs> the outcome of the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury fight just in disbelief. But it was a great fight. And Fury's a great fighter. I'm not gonna, you know, try and demean him or anything. He's a great fighter. And he's like Somehow, some way, he is rather big, and he seems like he's out of shape, but he always had great footwork, always had great head movement, you know, he's in and out, he bobs and weaves, like, he's actually very agile and, and quick and powerful, so he's a great fighter, he's a great challenge for Deontay, and he happened to come out on top, I mean, it happens in boxing, Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas, ain't nobody thought that Buster Douglas was no uh, world beater, but he beat Mike Tyson, so... You know, it happens in the in the combat sport. So it was a great fight, though. We definitely got our money's worth. I think that this is going to help revitalize boxing in terms of at least the heavyweight division. You know, UFC is kind of like really taken, you know, boxing, taken over for boxing, I should say, um, because, you know, Dana White understood all the problems in boxing. You know, Dana White, who is the, the commissioner of the um, the UFC, understood that boxing was dying because fighters didn't want to fight each other or you know guys who would not fight their mandatory opponents and things like that so he just had a business model to where listen if you don't fight you're getting stripped you can't make no money here if you don't fight the best person you're not gonna make no money and it uh, in turn worked because ufc is extremely popular extremely popular there's never gonna be a situation like with Floyd Mayweather, where you can hand pick who you want to fight, even though Mayweather fought everybody, but he just picked when he wanted to fight them instead of fighting them when they were quote unquote worthy. Like, you know, he fought Manny Pacquiao seven years after we wanted to see it. You know what I'm saying? Or he fought Canelo Alvarez 
earlier than maybe, you know, th- like, I think that if he fought Canelo Alvarez now or in 2018, it would have been a different fight than when he fought him in, what was that, 2013, I believe he fought Canelo Alvarez, just like that, so it was like, he was tailoring who he wanted to fight, he was picking who he wanted to fight, UFC is not like that, listen, if you got the right, if you got the belt, the number one contender, you fighting them the next event, and if you don't want to fight them, you stripped, just like that, so hopefully this fight, Fury and Joshua, the trilogy, I mean, Joshua, I'm getting ahead of myself, Fury and Wilder, the trilogy, can, you know, just inject more love into boxing, especially in the heavyweight division, and we could get more great fights. Um, but I'm a fan of boxing. I always love boxing. Um, I'm excited for Sean Porter and Terrence Crawford, but, you know, I'm just saying, like, to get the casual fan, the heavyweights is what attracts them. So hopefully this injects more life into the heavyweight division in boxing. And it was a great fight. Salute to the brother, the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder, and the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. I love that when Tyson Fury wins fights, you know, he always grabs the mice and starts singing. And the brother could sing, too. I'd be so surprised. Like, if I had a 12-round fight, I could barely do this podcast and I got a cold. If I had to do a 12-round fight, I would not have no energy after to sing. Like, and he was holding notes and everything. Like, that's pretty incredible. Tyson Fury is a a walking anomaly. Like, almost, what is he, 6'10", over 300 pounds can move like he's a fucking cruiserweight and he can sing after going 12 rounds with a nigga trying to knock his head off it's amazing so that's my review of the fight it was a great fight i hope you guys if you did not see it you could watch a replay or you know you did watch it or whatever but it was a great fight shout out to both of those brothers and hopefully this uh just helps boxing stay relevant you know i don't want boxing to die it's a great sport shout out to both of those brothers tyson fury and deontay wilder And lastly, let us get into our NFL predictions. So last week was a fantastic week for your boy. I I fully got my swagger back. I'm feeling myself off last week's performance. I went 12 and 4 on picks. A fantastic week for me. Fantastic week. I said, too, I wanted to get 12 wins um, when I did the predictions last week. And I got 12 on the nose. So I'm feeling good about myself. I'm feeling good. So let us do a week six slate of games. I'm off to a good start. I got the Thursday night football game right, picking Tampa Bay over Philadelphia. And now let us do Sunday's slate of games. First game, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seattle Seahawks. So last week, I picked the Steelers to win because I thought that Teddy Bridgewater, the quarterback of the Broncos, wouldn't play. Um, I thought that he was still in the concussion protocol and that he wouldn't play. But it turned out that he did play. But the Steelers still won. So, hey, look at me. I, You know, I always had the faith, too. If someone else asks me, I'm going to tell them. I always had the faith that the Steelers would win. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a good win. Uh, this, the offense looked good. Najee Harris had him over 100 yards rushing. I think the running game really helped. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is 39 years old, and he's not in Tom Brady's shape. You can't have him throwing 52 passes a game. He's going to get hurt. The passes are not going to be accurate. And the Steelers are going to lose games. So now with Najee Harris running the football consistently, hopefully um, it can help the Steelers turn it around. We did lose Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know how long he's going to be out. His injury looked pretty bad. It was a shoulder injury. I don't know how long he's going to be away from the team, but hopefully he can come back soon. Speedy recovery. Um, But they're looking to carry this momentum while they play the Seattle Seahawks. And they're catching another break. Russell Wilson 
the fantastic quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, was injured last week. He tore a tendon in his finger on his throwing hand, and he's going to be sidelined for about four to six weeks. So the Steelers are going to have to play against Geno Smith. That's a win for us, if you ask me. So I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers to go and win this game. It's the primetime game of the week, and so I have Pittsburgh to beat Seattle. Next game is the second London game. Miami Dolphins against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a hard game either way. Urban Meyer is a rookie coach who's struggling. Trevor Lawrence is a very special player. You can see it, but he's struggling. But also the Miami Dolphins are struggling, and Tua Tagovailoa is supposed to come back and play after missing a few weeks with sore, with bruised or broken ribs. One of the two is either bruised or broken ribs. So this is a hard game to pick because both teams are underachieving right now. But you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to stick my neck out. And I'm going to say that Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence get their first win this week against the Miami Dolphins in London. I'm going to say it because I actually like Trevor Lawrence. Like when I watch him play, like he actually can play like he's very talented. He has great arm talent. He's mobile. He's good in the pocket. He's got a good IQ, but he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to take a lot of sacks. He's going to take hits. And, you know, he just doesn't know all the nuances of the game. It doesn't help that his coach, Urban Meyer, was in the in a bar getting a lappy lap from a woman that wasn't his wife, but that's besides the point. I think that Jacksonville will do enough to win this game. I got Jacksonville winning. Next game, Cincinnati Bengals and the Detroit Lions. Oh, my goodness, the Detroit Lions. Can you talk about snake bit? Can you talk about cursed? Who did the Detroit Lions wrong in their past life? Because they are just losing in the most heartbreaking fashions ever. Justin Tucker hit a 66-yard game winner on them. To, to win last week they had they played their butts off against the minnesota vikings they played their butts off so hard they played and one thing led to another they ended up giving up another game winning field goal against the minnesota vikings and co- the coach of the, of the detroit lions dan campbell was so heartbroken he was crying in the post-game press conference and i was just like damn like talk about snake bitten man talk about bad luck And I don't think it gets any easier because the Cincinnati Bengals, they had a tough loss last week against Green Bay, but they played really well as well. And I got Cincinnati winning. I got Cincinnati over the Lions. Next game, Kansas City Chiefs and the Washington football team. Kansas City lost to Buffalo. Kansas City lost to uh, Baltimore. And Kansas City didn't look great in any of their other wins this season. I think that they're fully going to take this aggression out on Washington. I think they're going to try to score 45 points. I got Kansas City to win in a big one. Next game, Minnesota Vikings and the Carolina Panthers. I'm a, The Carolina Panthers let me down last week. I should have had 13 wins, but they gave up a late lead against the Eagles. And the Vikings squeaked out one against Detroit. Minnesota Vikings, Carolina Panthers. I'm going to take the Panthers to win this game. I think that the Panthers will bounce back. Minnesota's currently favored, but I think that Carolina at home, I think they'll do enough to win. I got Carolina to win. Next game, Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. The Colts is not looking good either. They made another. They, they thought they was getting somebody in Carson Wentz, but looking like Carson Wentz to quote Skip Bayless uh, against the Houston Texans. Now, the Texans played well. They actually played very admirable against the Patriots, but the Patriots won because they have a better team. And the Colts just had a heartbreaker loss to Baltimore. And Lamar Jackson is that boy. He is. He's amazing. He really is. Shout out to Lamar Jackson. Um, 
I'm gonna take Indianapolis to win. I think that they'll win this week. They're playing Houston. This is this should be a game to help their confidence and get them back into the swing. They're a big favorite, ten point favorite. So I'll, I'll take Indianapolis to win this game. Next game, L.A. Rams and the New York Giants. That's easy for me. I got the L.A. Rams. Saquon Barkley got hurt again, and I had to unload him on fantasy, bro. I traded the boy. I had to trade him. I can't. I can't deal with it. The injuries, the in and out, the not playing, the you are playing. I can't. I just traded him. So <laughs> that's just a little insight to my fantasy. I wish my fantasy season was going as good as my NFL predictions. Currently, I'll tell you guys, I'm one and four in fantasy. I'm doing like I'm playing like shit in fantasy. Jesus Christ. Anyway, I got the Rams to win. I just think the Rams are a better team on both sides of the ball. I think they'll win the game. Next game, L.A. Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this is probably going to be one of the best games of the week. Justin Herbert of the L.A. Chargers is a beast, bro. We're seeing another great quarterback right before our very eyes. Justin Herbert is a beast, bro. He's nice, nice. He is nice, nice. I'm sure the Miami Dolphins are kicking themselves for taking Tua Tagovailoa over Justin Herbert. I'm sure they are. And the Chargers did something that the Cincinnati Bengals should have done and all other quarterbacks or other other teams with young quarterbacks should do. When you have a young quarterback, the best thing to do for him is get him protection. The L.A. Chargers in the draft took Rashawn Slater, a standout offensive lineman from Northwestern University, and it has paid dividends. Because Justin Herbert has enough time to hit those great receivers that they got. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, Austin Eckler out the backfield. That was one of the best moves of the year. Taking a high-rated offensive lineman in the draft. And it is really helping the Chargers because Justin Herbert is a beast beast. He's a beast beast. I love this guy. He's a great quarterback. And they're playing against the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson who is a beast, 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 who had, he had, what did he have last week? I think he had 422 yards passing and like four touchdowns. He's amazing. He's, he's amazing. I don't even know who to pick. This is the battle of two young phenoms. Man, I have no idea who to pick. You know what? I'm going to choose the LA Chargers to win this game because the Baltimore Ravens are in the Steelers division. It would be good if they lost the game. So the Steelers could gain one when they beat Seattle. So I'm going to take the LA Chargers really just for, just for, uh, wins and losses positioning <laughs> next game green bay packers and the chicago bears i got the packers my guy a Aaron, one of my favorite players in the le- history of the league my favorite quarterback aside from ben roethlisberger a Aaron. let's go packers next game arizona cardinals and the cleveland browns this is going to be a good game too baker mayfield i this is this is something i don't understand how you have a player the caliber of Odell Beckham Jr. And you do not throw him the ball. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. Eli Manning, at the tail end of his career, was doing nothing but throwing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. And they were winning games. They were winning games. Eli Manning couldn't run to save his life. Eli Manning was a statue quarterback who had was significantly worse than he was back in the day-to-day. When they drafted Odell, he would just throw the ball to Odell, and they would win games. How Baker Mayfield is not finding Odell Beckham Jr., who's one of the greatest wide receivers in this league, is is beyond mind-boggling. Now, understand that they have two great running backs, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, but that should help. 
Play action pass. Get my man Odell in motion. Get him the ball, dog. How do you have Odell Beckham Jr. and you can't get him the ball? I don't understand this. The Cleveland Browns have done Odell Beckham Jr. a disservice. And to his credit, to Odell's credit, he has not been a team cancer. He has not been saying things like, get me out of here. Or F this team. Or why won't they include me? Nothing. He's been a good soldier. <clears throat> Props and kudos to him for keeping his composure. But I know it's killing him. I know it's killing him. Because he's too good. He's too good of a player to just be overlooked over and over again. And in my opinion... Baker Mayfield is a B quarterback at best. He's a B quarterback. He's like Andy Dalton in his prime. You know, a pretty serviceable guy. He can win your games, but you don't really trust this nigga to win. The Browns even told you that. Last week, they played the Chargers. Their defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. They had a one-point lead in the last minutes of the game. It was like two minutes left in the game. They had a one-point lead. It was 41-42. to The Browns had a lead. On third down and 10, the coach just drew up a running play. The Chargers stopped the, the running. They didn't get a first down. They called a timeout. Justin Herbert got the ball back. They drove down the field and won the game. That tells you that they don't believe in their quarterback. That tells you that. So going off of that, man, I got the Arizona Cardinals to win this game. I don't, I don't love what I'm seeing from Baker Mayfield. I think it's an ultimate disservice to have a player like Odell Beckham Jr. and not use him. Maybe they will now. I don't know, but it's 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 disgusting in my opinion. It's disgusting. So I, I'm gonna take the Arizona Cardinals to win this game on the road. Next game, Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. I think after this John Gruden shit, the Raiders will be lucky to win five more games this season. I don't think that they're gonna have a great season. They were off to a good start, and then they hit a few muddy, you know, a few bad games, but. I just think that after this Gruden shit, the season is tanked, dog. I, I don't see them winning many more games. They probably will finish the season like eight and nine. So they'll win some games, but they won't win on the level where they'll get to the playoffs. So, But they're playing Denver. Denver didn't look good against the Steelers with Teddy Bridgewater. You know what? I'm going to still I'm gonna, I'm gonna still choose the Denver Broncos. I think, I think the Denver Broncos will do enough to win this game. Next game, Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots. I got the Cowboys to win. I think they have a better team on offense and defense. Well, no, maybe not a better defense, but definitely a better offense. And I think, you know, the NFL is about scoring points. So I, I'll take the Cowboys to win. And the Monday night football game is the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. That's going to be a great game. That's going to be a great game. And in an upset, I'm going to choose the Tennessee Titans to win this game against the Buffalo Bills. I think that Buffalo... The way that they stomped Kansas City last week, they're going to be feeling themselves, and, and you should be because Kansas City's a great team. Patrick Mahomes a great quarterback. I think that they're going to ha- hit a rough wall when they play the Tennessee Titans. I think that Derrick Henry is going to feast against the Buffalo Bills defense, and I will take Buffalo to win. There are four teams on a bye week this week, Atlanta, New Orleans, the Jets, and San Francisco 49ers, so there's no games to pick from there. And let's see how I do this week. Hopefully, I have another great week like I did last week. And uh, again, I must say it. If you are a betting person out there, please do not bet with what I say about football because I'm just a dude from the Bronx, New York, and I'm not an analyst or anything like that. I just love football. And if you do lose money when you bet these games based off what I say, you, me and you are both under the understanding that I will not help you recoup if you lose money. So let's see how I do for NFL 
week number six. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 77 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel. Thank you again to everyone out there who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares and supports. Thank you to everyone out there who's active and engaging with me on social media. Thank you guys for bearing with me today on my terrible voice. <laughs> I'm going to try my best to do everything I can to be feeling better by next week. This is my flu game now. This is my this is my Michael Jordan flu game. I'm playing hurt for y'all. I'm playing hurt for y'all this week. Okay? Being potting with a with a bad voice and everything is sort of like if you're a football player and you like hurt your knee or something. Like it's just very important that you have a healthy voice to pod. So thank you guys for bearing with me on that. Please don't forget, your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Got hoodies on there. Got t-shirts, tote bags, COVID masks, and stickers with much, much more to come. And I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely appreciate every single person who has went on the site and purchased some merchandise from me. I truly, truly appreciate it. I'm an independent potter from the BXMY. And supporting the merch is just one of the best ways to keep the merch going the way that it is. So I appreciate every single person who has gone on and purchased some merch. And I'm going to fade you guys out with a great, great, great song this week. And it is from a great artist, an underrated artist in my opinion. And it is called Turpentine by Boldy James and the Alchemist off of the album Bo Jackson. And this has been the Bronx bias podcast episode 77 have a great week have a great weekend out there be safe and i'll speak to you guys next week we are out it's that bricks in every slingo I miss and mingle with my gringo It's just me and my dog, his name was Bingo B-I-N-G-O, 3-5, extendo roll Fancy footwork, was tapping on her with my tippy toes Really, she a ballerina, boy, man, world after Topanga Told me she loved dirty dancing, we did the Macarena Whipped her back and shake so quick, you would've thought she had a trainer All I needed was a pirate's pot, a beaker, and a strainer Look both ways before you think of crossing me as danger Man, Jerome and Nichols, my defense attorney on retainer Why they searching for and why? Looking for the perpetrators, he was just working my line Not today, we perfect strangers First come, first serve, first in line Serving birds of the shine Cleaning in some turpentine Off of North and 39 Way before the kid was signed I had the best hand Had the royal flush for of a can What else? Hard times out here Look where we at Hard times, got a nigga in all black We're born the streets first Jack for that silver pack where it's at. Whoop gang grill with your brill in that A50. Brick a bull dagger, jigging seals out in Bay City. Fuck chiming in, Bo Jackson got that straight drizzy. Club styling in, phone tap line, stay busy. Four phones ringing in the console, I'm a real gritter. Prices cut in half on them blues like a pill splitter. Serving Dorothy Toto, got her heels clicking. Name ringing bills, ain't no such thing as self proclaimed real niggas. Oh, fuck the, 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 oh,
Yeah, I'm gonna be coming home, talking all mixy about them raw brickies. Ever since I lost my daughter Trixie, shipping crawfish with that pixie dust, sir, you with even hands. Seven grams to get you in the gang, just bring me a band. Ducking Captain Hook and the Pirates of the Caribbean. Fish trying to send me to Netherland on the Peter Pan. But we been seeing on this private jet, I'ma need a Zen. Sleep before we take off, just waking up after we land. All money, no Valvoline, I Vaseline them yams. This V-Long T, the only time you gon' see me with friends. Helicopters sound like propeller when I swing the chopper. Clean a nigga clock, don't know if he a opera, he a fan. Hey, when y'all a fake or cola, game time, it be Peter Fan. Selling coke, but at the same time was building me a brand. Times and got so hard, need a new line on them kilograms. Been fucked up since El Chapo been locked up. They need to free that man. Free that man. Free that man. Free that man. Free that man.